Welcome to the Ready to Thrive podcast. My name is Jacqueline, and I don't know if you've ever felt like you are just surviving your life. I know I have, and that's why I created this space. I want to help you move from surviving to thriving. My goal is to help you get unstuck and actually enjoy your life. Each week, I'll be sharing practical tips and always point you to Jesus. So what are you waiting for? Let's get ready to thrive. Hello and welcome to Ready to Thrive. I am really excited to share the conversation that I had with Laura Harris-Smith and I decided to bump it up to today. We just had the conversation yesterday, but I um, had a conversation on Instagram with a lot of you who have really felt like you have been struggling to sleep. So my hope is that this conversation would help give you some aha moments into your own sleep issues. Um, It is such a hard and heavy time in the world right now. There's also so much consuming our attention. There is so much that we're carrying. We are getting little snapshots of other people's lives and and stories, and that's a lot for us to process. So um, my hope is that this conversation helps you have a better night's sleep. And as I share in this conversation, really the process that God took me through of looking at what was going on in my own heart of surrendering those things to him, confessing repentance, forgiving, getting rid of just the junk that was hanging out in my heart. That is what helped me ultimately be able to sleep deeply. And so that's my hope for you. Um, Her book, I think would be a great resource to help you sleep well through the night Um, as well. You can pick up my tangled book or my tangled course if you feel like hey I need to try something different like I've I've tried all the things nothing is working Um, maybe this is the thing for you maybe you've been trying to tackle your sleep just at a pure physical level just at a body level whereas uh, what what Dr. Laura is talking about is really what does it look like to engage um, our spirit as well what does it look like to deal with all of the things that are going on And that is, that's something that has been a game changer for me. And so if you have never looked at that as a way to tackle your sleep, then this is, this is awesome. This is encouraging and hopeful for you. So sit back, enjoy the conversation that I had with Laura Harris Smith. Hello and welcome to Ready to Thrive. I am sitting here with Laura Harris Smith. She is a naturopathic doctor and host of the three a faith-based current events talk show that focuses on the body, mind, and spirit. Her and her husband, Chris, founded and pastor Eastgate Creative Fellowship in Nashville. But most importantly, she is mom to six kids and grandma to 12. So if anybody knows what it's like to suffer from lack of sleep, it's Laura. Her latest book is Give It to God and Go to Bed, Stress Less, Sleep Better, and dream more. Laura, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Well, I want to quickly talk to you about your personal journey with sleep because um, sleep has not always been something that you have gone after or really understood. So can you tell me just a little bit about your personal sleep journey? You would think that someone that could lay down and have eight hours sleep easily, which I do and can, would just want that all the time. But I want 
work more. And I don't mean just any old work. I believe we have such a short time left on earth and I am constantly about the business of, I wanna make heaven full and, and hell empty, so to speak. And so I feel like, uh, because I work at home, writers usually work at home, it's just the boundaries kind of get fuzzy. And yes, I, I had, you know, six children, still do, they're all adults now, um, but I ran a tight ship. I mean, we had an organized house. It really, believe it or not, was not them that was causing me to lose sleep. It was a sleep defiance. Uh, I would put them to bed and then I would stay up till midnight, 1 a.m., 2 a.m. because I loved being able to create in the quiet environment. And then I would get right back up. I homeschooled all six of them and I just lived that way for you know a couple of decades. And it caught up with me. Um, I started getting blood work back from my doctor that was kind of wonky. And and you know, I was like, what is going on? Like I was still active. I'm a farmer's daughter. I ate my vegetables. I was a size four. Like what's going on? And so, uh, finally I, it's interesting. The Lord had to use work to get me to study sleep because it was work that was keeping me from sleeping. So I got contracted to write a book with Baker publishing group at chosen books called seeing the voice of God. And it was on sleep or excuse me, it was on dreams, but therefore sleep because it takes, you know, sleep is the mattress of dreams. So I actually, um, I wind up interviewing a sleep study doctor. And in this interview, he's telling me, okay, now, you know, you can tell your readers if people don't sleep, they are going to first start noticing weirdness in their hormones. Their hormones are going to go crazy. And then one by one, their organ systems are going to shut down. Well, here I had blood work. I had all this stuff. My hormones were going bonkers. And I thought, uh, okay, that's not me. And I literally just kept feverishly making notes and not applying any of this. And then fast forward, I went in for another round of tests and the doctor gave one. I wasn't even, I hadn't asked for, he actually, or she actually told me it was a mistake. I, they weren't even trying to order it, but it was an adrenal uh, test. And I come to find out, you know, I was in stage three adrenal uh, exhaustion and stage four is when your organs shut down and you die. That's also called uh, Addison's disease, adrenal failure. And, you know, it's been said that John F. Kennedy had it so bad, had he not been assassinated, he would have been dead in a year. So when they told me I had this, I was, I was shocked, but all of a sudden I started seeing how the Lord had been trying to warn me. Um, I knew it was because of the sleep deprivation. My body was out of adrenaline. Uh, it was entirely out of like cortisol. And I say entirely, I didn't have enough stress hormone left. Adrenaline is that, that which, you know, allows you to put two people on your back and run out of a burning building. Like that was gone, but my strong constitution was still kicking in. And so I wasn't really fatigued. What started happening was I started noticing that like I couldn't stand up for all three worship songs at church. You know, I would have to sit down on the first one. I'd go up a flight of stairs and I would think, whoo, granny, you're out of shape. Like, you know, you need to, you need to get back in shape. And it wasn't any of that. My strong constitution was part of the problem. And so I was getting, you know, four or five hours sleep a night. I went to a nutritionist and she said, um, make changes or die. I, I was basically told make changes or die. If you survive, it will take 18 to 24 months to turn it around, go on total bed rest. I went on total bed rest. Every meal became a final exam. I was not even a nutritionist. 
I wasn't any, <laughs> I was a farmer's daughter. All I knew was eat your vegetables. So I start studying that. I learned God has color coded our vegetables. That's what the 30 day faith detox book that I wrote was really all about, was about that process of using food as medicine because my liver was in such bad shape. I don't drink. I don't have like, it literally was because of sleep deprivation. My liver was in such bad shape. They couldn't just give me a pill to pop for each organ system. I had to use food and it had to be my medicine. So long story short, um, I did recover and God did in six months what they told me it would take up to two years to do after 12 weeks of bed rest and totally changing my sleep hygiene and my diet. And, um, you know, I got off all wheat and sugar and things that would just cause me to not cause your body to have to work really hard to process them. And I feel like I'm 20. Like, I mean, I you look I, like you're 20. <laughs> oh, you're so sweet. I feel so good um, that after I got better and people were like, hey, are you going to go back to eating wheat? I was like, why would I go back to Egypt? Like, I feel so good. Uh, I, you know, wheat's in everything. It's in lip gloss. Occasionally I'll have it a cracker or something, but my body lets me know, don't do that. We don't like that. And um, so I honestly just feel like if people would just get their sleep figured out, they'd get their health figured out and sleep doctors could put all the other doctors out of business. <laughs> that was my history. Well, I love what you shared there. And even just the word you used at the beginning was sleep defiance. Yeah. And I've never heard it termed that way. Cause I think there are probably two groups of people. There are the people who are really kind of saying, and I, I remember saying this, like I'll sleep when I'm dead. Um, I've said that. Or for myself, I was like, well, I'm, my DNA is like, I'm a night owl. This is when I have my hours and, and really pushing ourselves hard. So there's, there's a group of people who really can be defiant, but then there's the group of people who are saying, I desperately want to sleep and I can't. And so, um, I love what you shared about the defiance. And my hope is that people, um, who are in that group would, would kind of hear a bit of your story as a wake up call. But I really want to spend time talking about the other group that feels like I want to sleep. Right. And obviously I, you know, any, any moms listening who have babies, this is a season and it's a hard, hard season. Um, but for so many of us who have the ability to sleep, like no one is waking us up in the middle of the night but we just aren't getting there. We're not getting the quality of sleep and the depth of sleep. I want to kind of talk about that a little bit. How, what are the things that are keeping us from getting that sleep? Can I just please say this first before, since you mentioned babies, um, you can teach babies to give things to God and go to bed. Sleep training begins with babies. And the reason I said I never, I wasn't sleep deprived because of my kids is we trained all of our kids to sleep through the night by the time they were just weeks old. Um, at some of them literally that's a whole other story and a whole other topic. I'm an advocate of that. Not because I'm, I mean, I nursed all my kids. I'm not, I'm not in any way anti give the baby what they need, but the baby needs sleep and the whole household is disrupted. If, if you don't get it, uh, and we had eight people in our household. So God was just really good with me at 18 year old. I got married at 18, had a baby at 19 to, to start teaching me about sleep long ago. Can you believe it? Therefore, it took me so many decades to figure, you know, to really sleep the way he intended us for to, you know, to sleep. So, so yeah, for me, it wasn't that I couldn't, it's that I wouldn't, but there's a whole demographic of people out there who just do not, they're not able to, I mean, they lay there and count sheep. And I do believe that 
the, the trick here and what I cover in the book is to engage both your body or all three, your body, your mind, and your spirit. So you got people who are out there taking a sleep aid. That's treating one third of yourself. Uh, or maybe they are, you know, saying little positive reinforcements and just trying to go to sleep with some binaural beats or whatever, calm your mind, look at an app that shows little fuzzy pictures and makes you just fall asleep, you know, all that kind of stuff. That's just treating one third of yourself. If you do those together, your body and your mind, you're treating two thirds of yourself. But until you engage your spirit, and I do that at nauseum in the book, I mean, I just keep dragging you back into that place of, okay, let's, let's let God deal with this. Until you do that, you will never be whole. You will never solve your sleep issues because you are made in the image of a triune God. You see the Trinity heart at work in the Garden of Eden. Let us make man in our image. Who's that us and our? It's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so they, <laughs> he created you three parts as well. So if you start trying to solve your insomnia with just your body or with just your mind and you never engage your spirit, you'll never do it. And I'd love to I'd love to launch from there into what I mean by that. If you, yeah, I would want. love that because I feel like this is my sleep story of <laughs> really deliverance and um, dealing with the stuff that was going on inside. Um, I was shocked when I started sleeping deeply for the first time. I remember waking up and I said to my husband, is this what people experience? Like, oh. like, is this, cause I have been tired my entire life. I just never. And so now again, it's one of those things. Once you begin to sleep deeply, like I want this for other people. So I know that that's how I feel. Yeah. So share with us where, where would we start and what are you talking about? Well, the whole book, um, I, I designed, give it to God and go to bed to take place in your bedroom. So every chapter, has that in the title uh, and each one is a preposition has a preposition in it so the treasures in your bedroom the junk under your bed the monsters in your closet the writing on the wall we go through step by step the reasons you can't sleep and i say that the, the three main thieves are are these stress work and worry now i love work we've already established that one time many years ago, a friend of mine was praying for me and she said, I just had the oddest vision of you. I just saw a man sitting outside your bedroom door in a business suit. What on earth does that mean? And I said, I know exactly what it means. Business is keeping me out here working and will not let me go to bed. So sometimes I now when I, you know, I've heard addicts say like they they get delivered and some say, I don't ever have an urge again. Some say, I will not ever keep that in my house again because it's a temptation. Sleeplessness will always be my temptation. I still think it's a colossal waste of time. I can't wait to get to heaven and rabbit ear my pockets and say, you know, I spent it all. I did everything you asked me to do. Look, the, the issue is that if we do that, we're going to get sick. And so I feel like for me, I have to really watch sleeplessness. I have to watch um, that sleep defiance. So I know that's what that guy that in the business suit meant. And so work, but then also worry. We've got stress, work, and worry. And I give you um, the things that counter that, like dealing with the junk under your bed. What are the unforgivenesses in your heart? What are your fears? And then I talk you through in those chapters what to do about those. Uh, in your mind, 
in your body, in your spirit, prayers to pray, and of course, scriptures to read over yourself. The word of God will change you. No other person can, no drug can, not even, I have a sleep oil. I have a, a, an oil called quiet brain that I created to, to calm the mind. Um, and it's used a lot for neurological issues, but our number one testimony is insomnia. So, but you can't even just use that. I'm trying to get people to see that if you're looking for a quick fix, this is why you're only sleeping max six hours a night. And you need to be spending a third of your life in bed. You need to be spending well, a third of your day in bed, eight hours. Let's, let's just talk about that for one second, because I think somebody can hear like, okay, forgiveness, unforgiveness, like what does that possibly have to do with me <laughs> getting a good night's sleep? Like what, what is happening in our body and our mind when we are holding on to unforgiveness? Well, I'll tell you this. Sorry. I'll tell you this. There is a link now scientists and doctors have found between disease and emotion. Um, when people say, oh, I'm so shocked. I had no idea that that, you know, jealousy could cause, uh, that it was linked to arthritis, bitterness and jealousy being linked to arthritis. Well, scripture has told us forever that envy rots the bones. So why are we shocked at this? So you see constantly where we are, we are infirming ourselves with our toxic, toxic emotions. And so of course, that's going to keep you from sleep at night. Strife is going to cause sickness. And you see it even in Psalm 103, when the psalmist says, you know, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, going to bless his holy name, bless the Lord, O my soul. He starts going, he says back to back, who forgives all my sins, who heals all my diseases, Jesus, when he would be healing someone, he would say, you know, be healed, go and sin no more. What, what is sin? How would you like to be that guy that gets healed? And then he tells you to go and sin no more. God's obviously telling us there's a link between your mind and your transgressions, your sin and your sicknesses, in fact. And so I just believe that if we can get people to confront these things, these unforgivenesses, which let's just stop and say this, you know, there's a whole parable about how we will be turned over to the tormentors if we do not forgive the way we've been forgiven. And that parable, um, you know, is it's powerful because I can't tell you how many blood-bought, Sunday school attending, tithing, leadership, qualified Christians, I've seen God turn over to tormentors. And it's because this these scriptures tell us that likewise will you be turned over to the tormentors if you do not forgive as your Father in heaven forgives. And so that's serious stuff. You're laying in bed at night wondering why you're tormenting, can't quit thinking about this thing or that thing. It might not be that you're waiting on God. It might be that he's waiting on you. Oh, that is so good. I think often we get in this place of we're praying, God, why, why won't you fix this thing? And he's like, I've already, I've been trying to tell you what you need to do. And we resist because, and often, especially with this forgiveness thing, I think it's in our head, it's, it's just as one person, it's just this one thing and yeah. we are justified because, and so holding on to that thing, I often talk about the John 14, 27, where Jesus is like, peace I give to you. And it's like, we cannot receive with open hands, this gift of peace. If our hands are clenched, like if we're holding on to control, we're holding on to fear, we're holding on to anxiety, unforgiveness, those things, we cannot receive his gift of peace. So 
I love that. Now, can you talk for a minute about worry and that Mm -hmm. part of it? Well, it's rooted in fear. And, you know, it's when you see somebody who's a controller, they get such bad names for themselves. They're seen as prideful. Look, they're just worriers. They're, They're just they're control freaks because they're afraid. And so I feel like we would do our own reputations a whole lot of good in the daytime if we deal with what's really troubling with, with, you know, us at nighttime. And so I think worry, um, if you can get to the place where you can see it as sin (laughs) and you can tell yourself that, that fear, you know, it's the opposite of faith. In fact, I heard a preacher one time say, it was a, um, a real Southern, you know, uh, preacher. I can't remember his name. But anyway, he said, fear is faith in the devil. Well, it is. Fear is a kind of faith that everything's going to go wrong. So you lay there and worry and try to figure out how you're going to fix it yourself. If you will see that as grieving the heart of God and you will realize how much it restricts him from working on your behalf, it's not going to, it's not that he's going to go, oh, I hadn't noticed how worried she is. Now look, she's so, okay, now I'm going to go do something about it. No, it's going to, like with everything else, you've got to engage your faith and do it by faith. As Joyce Meyer says, do it scared. And so, you know, he didn't just jump down and make you get saved. He doesn't just jump down and sock you in the stomach and, you know, make you get healed. He's not going to jump down and do anything to make you trust him. Uh, and stop worrying. It's a choice. You have to use faith to do it. And if you literally cannot use your faith to stop worrying, I'm about to say something really bold here. If you don't have faith, you're not a Christian because it took faith to become a Christian. So if you do not have, if your faith is so tiny, I'm not talking about like mustard seeds don't do anything. I'm saying if you literally call yourself a Christian, you're laying there at night and you're thinking, but God can't do this. I really want you to dedicate again yourself to him and your ability to trust him like a father and then realize you really are his child if you're not that's another problem but if you are you can trust him and you don't have to lay there at night and worry your way into a plan for tomorrow yeah well it definitely feels like you know worry really manifests itself in control and um and if you just take one thing that um you feel like you are worrying about. So for me, I know when I had my first daughter, I think having some fears as a new parent is really normal, right? You're like, why am I coming home from the hospital with this? I don't know what I'm doing. Like, this is crazy. And I remember she was not a great sleeper, but even when she'd be asleep, I would wake up. And as long as I was awake, I would run to her crib to check on her and just make sure like she's breathing, she's okay. And I was, so I was like, beyond sleep deprived at this point. And I was incredibly anxious. I remember being at the mall one time and thinking I couldn't get hold of my husband who was watching her and I was paralyzed in fear. And so at one point I remember opening my hands and saying, here she is, God, like Mm -hmm. she is yours. I'm releasing this grip of control. And right away I was like, "But, but please keep her safe. And, and that has been a practice of mine to say, God, I'm I'm giving you this thing that I have been worried about. I'm surrendering. And when those those things come at me where I feel like I can't control, like there's very little I, I can really have control over, 
Um, and my husband said to me, he's like, you know, you're not actually keeping her heart beating. You're not keeping breath in her lungs. Like you don't have the control you think you have, but that was the start of letting go of that anxiety, giving it over to him. And so it might just mean today, like, what is the thing that you are, you feel like worry has this grip on you. And it's funny because this, the way it feels like the enemy works is like we grip something and he grips us right back, right? Like it's this very tight. And so when we let go, you know, it begins to release. I'm just, I'm curious, practically, are you the baby of your family? Middle child. So then, uh, did you have a lot of nieces and nephews you grew up taking care of? Nope. Okay. So what I have found is if someone's either the baby or, or they didn't grow up around a lot of other kids that they could take care of, they do tend to glom onto fears more of, oh no, is the baby sleeping? Oh no, is the baby still alive while they're sleeping? Oh no. And, and I've only noticed that because I've got all these six kids and my fourth born just married a fourth born, but he was the baby. Now they just had a baby. The baby is a month old yesterday. And she tells me that he runs in there and he's like, he, he slept like seven hours. Is he, is he, do we need to check? Is he breathing? Is he breathing? She's like, honey, he's fine. She helped me with the young, you know, her younger two siblings and her older three siblings have now had children. And so she's, she's had the constant mill of nieces and nephews. And you just know that a baby just does that. So give yourself a break. That's very interesting. Yeah. It may have been just that this was like your first big experiment too. Um, but absolutely fear knows that. And it fears a spirit. It's a, it's a demonic force and it tries to divert your attention away from faith. It tries to share the stage with faith and faith will not do that. It will leave and it can't stay. And so it will use whatever it is, your birth order or your past experiences and traumas or whatever, Fear will use that to glom on to you making any, you know, no progress. It doesn't want you to make any progress in the area. So you have to get aggressive with your faith. Yeah. They know. And the book really teaches you how to do that and then say, and to, which prayers to pray. And um, not only that, but, you know, which scriptures to read. And then, of course, I have this 10 day program that I take people on afterwards that really just seals the deal and engages your spirit in the whole process. So good. Well, I do think, um, you're right in what you're sharing about how it's, you know, it's not necessarily a, um, I think we're all often looking for a quick fix, right? We're looking for the, and I remember years ago going to my doctor saying, you don't understand. I can't sleep. Like you don't understand. Like, please, I want a a horse tranquilizer. Like I want something that's going to knock me out. Um, And incredibly, again, it was dealing with this other stuff that allowed me to get to that place of sleep. So um, one thing I want to, you kind of touched on this with fear Mm -hmm. is that one of the things that happens is we are, maybe we fall asleep middle of the night, we wake up and there is either we have you know, either something that there's maybe night terrors going on, there's nightmares, there's, we feel something that is a spiritual presence. I've talked to people who have sleep paralysis, right? There's all these things that can happen at night that I don't feel like people talk about a ton. Um, And so what would you say to somebody who's like, okay, I feel like in the middle of the night, I'm actually getting kind of attacked or there's something happening and I don't really know how to deal with it. Really interesting because my husband and I also pastor a church in Nashville, Eastgate Creative Christian Fellowship. We, this last Sunday, we opened up the altar for people to come forward. I, I just, through a word of knowledge, felt like there were people there who were um, experiencing sleep. Par- I, I said those exact words, sleep paralysis. 
sleep, uh, what did I say? Oh, insomnia, of course, because that's on my heart, but also uh, night terrors, I said. And the altar was flooded. People were like packing in. I went back and watched the footage later, uh, the cam that was over on the side on the live stream. And it was like, where do these people come from? It is a huge issue. And, you know, it really angers me, to be honest with you, it angers me at the enemy because he knows that that third of your life, that third of your day, if you have, if you live for 75 years, you should have slept for 25 years of it. Um, that time of day is sacred. God made the sun go down. He made everything get quiet, all the animals, all the, because it's a sacred time for you to sleep. You're a captive audience. He wants to speak to you. I'm sure we'll get into dreams and more in a minute, which is a topic huge on my heart. But this coupled with the fact that he, you know, wants to steal our health is why he attacks those eight hours at night. So what we did on Sunday is we just prayed this off of people. And then I told them, look, I'm sure you've prayed before. So we got to engage all three. We've got to get your body involved, your mind and your spirit engaged. We're just dealing with your spirit here today. But the book goes over things you can do bodily. Laura's ABCs for Z's, I say in there. And then also in your mind. And that's where you're going to um, unpack the junk under your bed, you know, and uh, the monsters in your closet, all the whole book takes place in your bedroom, you know, as I've said, and so everything deals with in some manner, what's going on in your soul, uh, and how to clean it. Yeah, so good. Well, I know years ago, um, I would say my husband and I both were like both having been Christians for a very long time, really very unaware of what was going on in the spiritual world. And when we had our first, um, she started experiencing night terrors and, um, he had, um, it's a longer story, but he had become much more equipped in, um, prayer ministry and deliverance and various things. And at that point I was very afraid of anything spiritually and darkness. So I would just kind of plug my ears and be like, la, 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 don't tell me what's going on. But there was a season where he was equipped And I would say, okay, you got to come pray for her because this just feels so dark. This doesn't just feel like a, you know, a physical thing. Um, But he often went away for work and God kept stirring in me saying, you need to grow up. You need to get more equipped. And so there was one night where, and it often happened when he was gone, I could hear her start to cry out. And I was like, oh, and I got up from my bed and I was angry. And I just remember thinking like, cause at first I was like, oh, I got to call him. I was like, no, 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 God, you've given, you have given me authority. And so I, I stood there in the hall and I just did this like finger snapping. I was like, oh, no, I was like, you get out of here right now. Like you cannot torment my family. And so I just really, for you, the authority that Jesus has given me. And you know what? I, I don't think we had night terrors after that. Like they were gone. Hey, and the, the analogy, the analogy I use is that, um, I am like, I am my kid's mom. I have authority over them, but they also like to push me around and they say like, mom, can I have this mom? Can I, and it, sometimes I just get in this place of like, I get so, um, right. Like their kids can be so demanding and overwhelming, but then I have this moment where I go, wait a minute, like I'm the mom. And so I stand there with my authority and I go, no, like this is not going to happen. And I, it's very calm. And I'm able to remind myself the authority that 
I, I'm the mom. I've always been the mom. And you can see it in their eyes where they go, oh, she remembered. Like she's the mom. And I think the same is true for us where we get to say, we have the authority. Christ lives in us. Remember that you have that authority and you've always had it. You just need to be able to use it. So I think that um, is definitely powerful in the middle of the night, especially. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, uh, the night terrors are definitely an issue, but adults, sometimes they will have nightmares, what they think are nightmares, but they are mistaking that. It's actually a warning dream from the Lord. It's not a nightmare from the enemy. Now, um, a child having a night terror, yeah, that's that's infuriating, and you can definitely do something about that. What I challenged our people on Sunday to do, these adults, I said, you need to ask the Lord, show me any door I've opened to this thing. Why is this thing in my bedroom? Um, you know, sometimes people say, well, I just moved into a new house. I didn't do anything in this bedroom, but there was something there from before and you just got a clean house. It's, it's just a prayer. It doesn't, you know, take a TLC show and like a priest to come over and do anything. You just do it yourself. Like you said, you're the mom. And so I really urge people in the book to clean their, clean their room and to not allow anything unholy in there. That includes, you know, what you watch in there, what you listen to in there, what you do in there. Um, you don't want to invite anything, any spirit, but a Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit into your bedroom. So yeah, I, I mean, I leave no stone unturned in turning your room into a sanctuary. <laughs> now, how would somebody be able to tell the difference between a nightmare and a warning dream? Because I, I want to move into dreams with you yeah. as well. So a warning dream um, is going to feel exactly like a nightmare. You're going to wake up and you're going to be like, oh my gosh, I just saw this thing that just, and he was this and he died and da 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 and it was awful. Um, the minute I have one of those, I tell my heart to tell my mind, it's okay. You're not going to move in fear because this was a prayer assignment. The Lord is giving you like wartime intelligence. He's showing you the blueprint that the enemy has drawn up for the life of your loved one or for you. And it is a prayer assignment. And you, if you do your job well, you'll look wrong. You'll look like, because it will never come to pass. Uh, and, you know, if, especially if you have a dream like that, I've, this happened so many times to me, I have it. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're in danger. I'm praying for you. First of all, you don't just go and tell me, you know, you really be careful. You have to have a close relationship with people before you just go start telling them all your warning dreams. And you do this and you warn them and you pray for them. And they may come back and go, well, that never happened. You're like, yeah, you should send me roses because I prayed right. for you and it never happened, you know? So I'm not afraid to look wrong with a warning dream, but I will tell you that intense peace comes after you do that. After you pray that thing, there's still, if it's one of your kids, a warning dream you have for one of your kids, my goodness, the Holy Spirit keeps me busy at night uh, over the last, my oldest is 36, seven, uh, over the last, you know, decades, I have had multiple prayer assignments going at one time just for my family, not to mention the church, the people that we pastor, and then the book ministry. We have television show, you know, viewers who write in. I have so many things to pray about. I'll get these warning dreams. And it's not a matter of like I've got to fast and pray and do that. Look, if the Lord shows you this, it's usually immediate. It's something he's got planned very quickly. I need you to just pray before you get out of bed. Just pray it. Don't no move in fear. Pray it as you get out of bed. 
if it's on your heart the next if it's a really urgent thing and it just seems really you know scary keep praying with it on the other hand if you're seeing demons and aliens and bizarre creatures that are tormenting you in the middle of the night that is a night terror um, so there is a difference if you can glean anything out of a warning dream do it and pray about it just don't be fearful I know a few years ago um, when my husband was in the season of really overworking um, and he had a dream that he was in the I think he was in a pool and my youngest daughter was there drowning and there was another kid there because he works with youth. And I think he went to like save the other kid and my, my daughter went to the bottom of the pool. And so he had that feeling of like, I need to change the way I'm working. And he did. He is night. We did a whole podcast episode on it. It's night and day, but that was really a dream where God was saying like, Hey, you're, That's a warning. this is what's happening in your life right now. Um, now, what about just other dreams? Like, how can we be people who um, dream with God and invite kind of him to speak to us, I mean, other ways as we go to bed? Right. Well, um, the thing is that if you are really reading scripture, you're seeing that there's a huge chunk of the Bible, I've heard it's two thirds, that if you were to cut out um the parts of the Bible that talk about dreams and visions or an instance that happened because of a dream or a vision, you know, God telling Joseph in the middle of the night in a dream to take the baby and flee, you know, to Egypt, that kind of thing. If you were to cut all of that out, you'd, you'd get rid of two thirds of the Bible. So you cannot say God doesn't speak in dreams. He tells you right in the book of Job where I speak uh, in one way, one to one way, one in another, some I give a dream, some a vision, uh, but many do not perceive it, it says. He talks about why he does it to save their, their soul from the pit. Um, he goes on and on. And then you see even in Joel too. Hey, how about in Acts 2? He repeats it about him pouring out dreams and visions in the last days. And so, um, you know, look, you, you either believe all the Bible or none of it. That's what I say. I, I tell people I'm just very blunt. And I say, you need to get out your Bible. And you need to look at it and say, I either believe everything that's in you or I'm an atheist. And so you cannot not think about dreams. You have to look at those and say, he spoke through them then. He told us he was going to speak through them, you know, even more so in the end times. And he's doing that. And so I need to learn to receive those dreams, perceive them as him, not dismiss them, add faith to them, learn to interpret them, and then see my life get on track with God. So good. Um as we wrap up, I'd love to know, um, what would you say to the person who feels like right now they're like, I am so tired. I just <laughs> am struggling to sleep at all. What, what would you say to them um, just to encourage them? Well, first of all, I wrote, give it to God and go to bed for you. I really did. I understand. And so what I have done is I've tried to give you the answer and help you body, mind, and spirit. So no matter how long it takes you to read the book, it can be a month, it can be 10 minutes. I don't know, people read different rates. But after you finish each chapter, there are two questions. You're gonna answer these questions and just kind of you can write right there in the book and just tuck them away. At the end of the 10 chapters, you're gonna start what's called, it's my 10 day program. It's 10 days to a lifetime of deeper sleep and dreams. And you're gonna do that one day at a time. You can't speed through this. 
And after you, like on day one, you're going to take your two chef, two questions from chapter one, and we're going to really look at those, revisit those. And then there's going to be a link for you to go to a good night video where I basically tuck you in, <laughs> discuss all of that, pray over you, and we really engage your spirit. So don't try. Here's what I would say to solve your sleep issues with just something for your body with just something for your mind. Let me help you engage your spirit, not just through prayer and not just through scriptures, but by helping you with these videos and they're free, helping you with these videos until at the end of the 10th video, you will be sleeping differently. And I have already had people, the book's not even a month old yet. And I've already had people telling me I'm sleeping more and I'm dreaming more. And you know, those go hand in hand. And that's why the enemy is after it. He doesn't want you to solve your problems while you sleep. He doesn't want the Lord to speak to you. He doesn't want you to be healthy. And God did an amazing thing um, when we were very young, we were babies. He created a hormone called the human growth hormone. And it flows through our bodies. What makes us grow as kids, that's probably why I'm so short because I didn't sleep a whole lot. You know, I was always going and doing and whatever. But when you get older, it still it still courses through your veins every night when you sleep. Why are we not 15 feet tall? Because its job as you're full grown is to heal you. Each night when you go to bed, human growth hormone heals your sicknesses. It does. And so people are like, oh, I can get by with four hours sleep. I did this. I wore it as a badge. My mom did it. My dad did it. Albert Einstein did it. I can do it. Listen, if you don't go to sleep, your organs will go to sleep for you. I'm living proof. And so Try with everything you are. Get out all your big guns, body, mind, and spirit. Let me help you sleep so that you can dream better and so that you can be healthier. I want the army of God to live long and strong. So good. Thank you so much, Laura. And again, her book is Give It to God and Go to Bed. And where can people find you and where can they find your book? <laughs> they can find the book. They can find all of my patented sleep oil blends. Uh, at lauraharrissmith.com. It's just my name, lauraharrissmith.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. And I trust this has helped you move one step closer to thriving. Can I just say thank you for listening? This space has been incredibly encouraging for me this past year. And as I am being deeply encouraged by these conversations, I trust you are as well. And I'm not going to ask you to rate the show or subscribe but I am gonna ask if while you were listening today, a friend popped into your mind and you thought, hmm, I think they could use this encouragement. Can I ask you to share this episode with them, with one person? When I listen to podcasts on my phone, there are three little dots at the bottom right, and I click there to share. Also, can I say sometimes I don't share with others as I'm worried about what they'll think of me if they think I'm bugging them by sharing something, but when someone shares something with me, I am never bothered. Often it is the exact thing I needed to hear. So if someone popped into your mind, click those three little dots and share this encouraging conversation with them. And thank you for listening to Ready to Thrive.